Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Mighty Boy Chi-Chi, a sex expert a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. You're listening to another episode of Adult Bedtime Stories. I have Paul with me tonight. Hey, guys. And he's in Houston, and I'm up in Colorado. <laughs> We're I'm up at the cabin, and it has been a bit of a ride this past month. That's partly why we've been a little late on getting some of our shows out. We got up here, and for almost two weeks, we had no water, no heat, and no hot water. All we had was electricity, and up in the mountains, it gets pretty chilly at night, so it's been kind of a, a rough ride. <laughs> and before that, we went on some festivals and had both, all my tents got destroyed, one after another, from storms coming through, and it's been a rough springtime. Hopefully things will get better and we'll get back on track. <laughs> but without any further ado, tonight's episode is on celebrating pride and a brief history of pride. What is it all about and why do we celebrate and why do we do pride? Vaughn, you want to jump in and talk a little bit about it? Yeah. So in the U.S., we always have pride in the month of June. It 
it has come to expand over the entire month of June. And the reason we celebrate Pride Month in June in the United States is because of a riot that happened at the Stonewall Inn on June 28, 1969. Uh, so Stonewall, like many gay bars at that time, was used to getting raided on a regular basis. In the 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, gay bars were constantly getting raided. And just for being in a gay bar, you could go to jail. And there were all sorts of laws that they persecuted people under. And Stonewall had actually been raided quite a bit when they got raided in 1969. But that June, people decided that they weren't going to put up for it. And they threw a riot and they decided mm -hmm. to stop going easy on everyone. And so Pride has been going on ever since. I believe the first Pride parades were actually the very next year. I don't remember exactly, but I know that very shortly after the Stonewall riot in 1969, uh, we had our first Pride parades. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say that Stonewall wasn't just a gay club. It was also a lot of trans and cross-dressers attended there. And mm -hmm. I just kind of wanted to clear up that misnomer that it was just a gay bar. It was a bar where mm -hmm. people cross-dressed and sought out to be freely who they were in a private setting mm -hmm. or semi-private setting <laughs> yeah and i mean the the thing is back in the 60s transgender wasn't even a term people were using yet like there were people who considered themselves transvestites but like for some people it was something akin to what drag is now some people might would have considered themselves some people did live more as a woman full-time for some people like it's kind of hard to say like the history of the language that we have around transness has really come a long way since the 60s so it's hard to oh, know yeah. like <laughs> which of the people would have considered themselves like transgender today if like we could go back and ask them and how many people it would have been something more akin to drag i know that a lot of the people who cross-dressed at the stonewall bar actually were like homeless like queer prostitutes that like lived in the park near the stonewall bar Mm -hmm. um, so like it's kind of like hard to know where all of those things were but it did intersect a whole lot and there were also a lot of gay bars at that time were segregated between like there were like 
gay male bars and then like lesbian bars i know like at stonewall it tended to be more gay men and cross-dressers and things like that but i know that women often did like lesbians often frequented it as like esteemed guests i want to say yeah um, and uh yeah it's just a little side note we were talking about this the other day but often people would find these bars by saying i'm a friend of dorothy mm-hmm. and so the yeah what was it the fbi or one of the agencies was trying to discover uh, who no, dorothy it was Oh, the Navy. <laughs> it it was the Navy. Yeah, the Navy uh, had hired people or had like had a bunch of like sailors going around pretending and like posing as gay men to like these gay bars to figure out like who the people in the Navy were that were gay and they heard like people using these terms like friend of Dorothy. And so they decided like if they wanted to be able to figure out who all the gay people in the Navy were, they had to round up this Dorothy woman. So they spent a lot of money trying to track down this Dorothy woman because she knew all of the gay people. Uh, So it's, it's hilarious. And for those that don't know, Dorothy is a reference to uh, the Wizard of Oz. And it's basically mm-hmm. over the rainbow <laughs> and where we get the rainbow uh, colors for gay pride. It's And mm-hmm. I always liked the Wizard of Oz. The Scarecrow was actually bisexual. And he said, oh, some people go this way. Some people go that way, and some people go both ways. And it was something that got past the censors and referencing his bisexuality. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, weren't the Tin Man and the Cowardly Lion, weren't those actors queer as well? I think so. I'd have to ask Mike mm-hmm. Ski. He's the expert on the Hollywood bisexuals and gays and lesbians. But mm-hmm. but I would like to say that times have changed and so much, and we've gotten kind of used to the freedoms, but those freedoms are being threatened constantly. And mm-hmm. it's like between the Supreme Court and the conservatives, there's a chance mm-hmm. that we may lose some of our rights that we fought so hard to gain. And so I think that's part of why oh, pride yeah. is so important is to remember our history. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think that one um, of the things that's know. really beautiful is that outwards is preserving some of our history. It was formed because so many gays and bi's died of AIDS before we could get their stories. And so they have gone around and interviewed bi, trans, gay, 
intersects the whole LGBTQI community, the elders mm -hmm. who lived in that time and wanted to get kind of a history of mm -hmm. where we've come from. So if you're interested in more of the history, mm -hmm. check out Outwards. And I'll put a link to their website in the show description. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, so one of the things that's kind of hard, like before we started re recording this podcast, I was like trying to track down like the number of laws that have been proposed in the U.S. that are anti-LGBTQ laws that have been like proposed this year. One number that I found was 650. One number that I found was 530. And then I was trying to look for the numbers for last year, and it seems like the number last year was around like in the 200s, it's kind of hard to look these things up because it's hard to quantify like how many laws get proposed and things like that. I was trying to look up the other day and like literally no lawyer can tell you how many laws there are in the United States because our legal system is just so complicated. And that's one of the things that makes doing this research kind of hard. Yeah, and, you know, I, I've often had the feeling that to really obey all the laws in the United States, you almost have to become a lawyer because some of them mm -hmm. are so complex and are so full of legalese it's hard to understand some of the laws. <laughs> well, yeah. And like the other thing is there's laws that are still in the, on the books that aren't even uh, prosecuted anymore, but they're still like legally on the books. Uh, that might actually be a good jumping off point for, because like one of the important things for the history of pride and the, history of like the rights that we have in the United States are like some of the like important Supreme Court decisions. Mm -hmm. One of the things that a lot of people don't know, uh, like the reason I wanted to look this up in the first place, uh, you and me were talking about when the sodomy laws technically got uh, considered like unconstitutional, unconstitutional and yeah. got off of the books. Yeah. Uh, so me and, and Gigi mm -hmm. live in Texas, and it was actually a Supreme Court case that came from a case out of Texas that struck down sodomy laws in the United States. And that was Lawrence v. Texas. That didn't happen until 2003. So if you were born before 2003 you were you were alive when there were still sodomy laws in some states in the United States 
which I mm-hmm. think is just crazy to think about. Yeah. Uh, like the end of sodomy laws in the United States aren't old enough to drink in this country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and one of the things, this is kind of a side note, but I remember, I don't, didn't remember the date, but I remembered when the sodomy laws were declared unconstitutional, I called up a boyfriend and we decided to celebrate by fucking each other <laughs> and mm-hmm. practicing some sodomy because we could do it legally now. And that was a big milestone in the GLBT mm-hmm. gaining more human rights. Yeah. And there was an earlier Supreme Court case, Bowers v. Hardwick, in 1986, where they tried to strike down the sodomy laws. But in 1986, the Supreme Court upheld the constitutionality of sodomy laws. Uh, So, like, I think that it's crazy that it had already been in front of the Supreme Court and, and considered constitutional in the 80s. Yeah. And it's it's really crazy because, and t- I forget what year it happened, but up until a certain point, it was illegal to even cross dress, mm-hmm. and you could go to jail for cross dressing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so in th- this year, there have been they've had a big push for drag bands, and a lot of those. Laws are written so loosely that for a lot of them, like cross that dressing might be illegal in some of the states that they're trying to get these drag bans passed, which is really, really concerning for trans people like myself. You know, I constantly am wearing dresses and skirts and if i am considered the gender that's on my birth certificate then like luckily there's not been a proposed ban in texas yet but in some states it's getting to the point where like whether i could walk outside in most of the clothes that i own i might be breaking the law which is really, really scary. And it's not just trans. I mean, I'm intersex and I dress mm-hmm. in dresses at times. And sometimes I'm in boy clothes because I'm a little bit of both. And also mm-hmm. gender, I mean, uh, non-binary people often will dress in ways that's mm-hmm. not really revealing their gender, but blurring it and i think oh, that's yeah. an important I, part I do that too. yeah mm-hmm. so i just wanted yeah. to clarify it's Definitely. it's rights for a lot of people not just the trans but mm-hmm. it's important that we well, include and the also, trans. oh yeah definitely i mean i'm both trans and non-binary but like the other thing is gender expression is not necessarily uh, is not necessarily 
Uh, you can be cisgendered and have a different gender expression. Like a lot of people get those two things confused. Uh, you can be trans and your gender expression can match like your gender assigned at birth. Like I have a lot of friends that are non-binary and don't really go out of their way to have a different gender expression than the gender they were assigned at birth. Uh, so a lot of people get those two things confused. I'd like to kind of get back to pride a little bit because we've had a rough time and I think outwards mm -hmm. is I'd like to read the email that I got from outwards because I think it's really telling about what's going on in this country right now and let me bring it up here it is mm -hmm. Dear Outwards community, my name is Jack and I'm the communications director for Outwards. I joined Outwards about a week before March 2020 shutdown. I still remember getting teary-eyed in my job interview, reflecting on how my queer elders and transcestors, thank you Jude Patton, have had my back since before I was even born. During my three plus years with Outwards, the daily news for LGBTQ plus communities has only gotten worse. And working at Outwards has only become more meaningful. Amidst so many reasons to despair, hearing the stories of queer and trans people who fought dragons and lived to tell the tale is a constantly sustaining life force for me. When I was a kid, I literally didn't know that I could be who I was. The only non-binary representation I saw was in the form of fantasy characters, aliens and deities, but not humans. As I got older, I came out as bisexual and made gender-bending art, and still I didn't know that my gender could be anything other than what it said on my birth certificate. And he goes on, but I just kind of wanted to bring that up because there's so much that's threatening the freedoms that we fought so hard to win over the years. Any thoughts or comments, Paul? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of conversations with people who did Pride before I was born. Like, I know that one of the, like, most of our listeners probably have been to a Pride parade themselves. But in the early days of Pride, it was a much more dangerous thing to go to. Mm -hmm. People went there specifically to, to do gay bashing. It was dangerous. And it was also a, like a somber event. Yeah. And there's been so much that has happened in the queer community between the initial fight for for rights and for recognition 
and then HIV and AIDS. And then now the way that Pride is, like, you can go to, like, I know that I saw a an estimate of the number of people they're expecting to have at the Houston Pride this year. And they're projecting 800,000 people are going to be there for Pride. That's almost one in four Houstonians that are projected to be there mm-hmm. this year. And so, like, that seems like we have a whole lot of acceptance and there is a lot more acceptance than there used to be in some ways, but it's gotten so polarized that oh, the amount of backlash that there is is so crazy. Every year, there are more and more uh, like anti-LGBTQ laws being proposed, uh, especially like against the transgender community like i was watching a thing earlier today that was talking about how a lot of the laws that get proposed are proposed by lawmakers who don't actually care whether they pass or or not their goal isn't actually to get these laws made they just need to appear like they are like doing something so that they can make their base happy, which is really scary and really disgusting. Like, mm-hmm. I know that there are lawmakers that, like, ever since abortion, uh, ever since the what was the what was the Supreme Court ruling that uh, that made abortion unconstitutional oh, or was... anti-abortion unconstitutional roe v wade um, yeah roe ever v. since wade. roe v wade got yeah ever since roe v wade got struck down there have been lawmakers who have been hinting at going after um, gay marriage uh, uh bergefell v uh, hodgins which uh, and like we didn't get the right to marry until 2015 nationwide and they're already like aiming to get rid of that so you know it always really bothers me when people say that people who are, like are fighting for gay rights are snowflakes and that like you know we already have all the rights we need no like our rights are actively being threatened to this day. And if people don't see that, it's because they're either willfully ignorant or uh, just blind. And I think another issue around all this is that in our culture, we look at gender as a binary system. There's only males, there's only females, nothing else. And what I find perplexing is that that's something that's because they've eradicated intersex as much as possible, and they don't look at the biology and the science. It's like there are more than males and females. 
it's a spectrum mm -hmm. and to try to oh yeah so many of these laws are so archaic and based in superstition and religion not based in science and facts and i yeah. kind of wanted to mention that because it's important to look at the facts and realize okay there's mm -hmm. the whole classification system of sexual orientation is a little bit flawed because it mm -hmm. too is based on this binary system and I know a sex oh, researcher yeah. that yeah. has identified up to 17 different genders in human beings. We are a spectrum. We are not oh, just okay. male or female. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think that you will ever be able to put a finite number on the number of genders that there are because some people... <laughs> Like for me, the way I experience gender, like I am non-binary, I am gender fluid, which means like sometimes I feel more masculine, sometimes I feel more feminine, and it, it's always like floating, and in some ways I feel in between male and female, but like in a lot of ways I also feel outside of that as well like that i experience both i feel like i am floating somewhere on the binary or between the binary and then also outside of it at the same time uh, one of the things that's really hard when you're discussing gender i find that uh, it's really really useful that our language has opened up in a way that makes it easier to discuss these things but it also words and like descriptors are really useful until they stop being useful and so it's easier to to talk about gender issues because our language about it has expanded but in a way, also, it kind of like narrows the scope of it because you're trying to put it into these words. And none of these words and descriptions that we use will ever like fit everyone. And so, mm -hmm. like, in a way, our language around it kind of narrows things down, but it also expands our ability to talk about it so it's one of those weird things about all of this stuff <laughs> and i haven't been keeping time this time we're on zoom so i don't have a counter i'm not sure how far we are from station break have we been on very long i was just wondering the same thing i've I kind of feel like we might be close to station break. Ah. But. Well, why don't we do a station break? <laughs> okay. uh, real quick, and then we'll get back to our topic. I'd like to state that for those that are interested in learning more about sexuality and about 
sexual freedoms, I cover a lot of that at ravensareleather.com and ladyboytemple.com, which are two of my websites. Ravensareleather.com, I've got a lot of information about what I do and who I am. And then on ladyboytemple.com, I've got a lot of information about Aphrodite's temple and some of the work we do with people. And if you're interested in learning more about or taking some of the video trainings that I'm doing, I've changed the date to Thursday night, 10 o'clock Central Time. It's a free webinar. And we do different topics. This last week, we did spiritual aspects of BDSM and psychosexual domination skills. And got into some of the healing aspects of BDSM and some of the spiritual aspects of BDSM. We cover a wide range of topics on these webinars. So if you're interested, sign up. You can sign up, go to ravenslayerleather.com and click on the videos tab and there's a sign up sheet there. Anything you want to add to station break? Yes. One of the ways that you could support us in the work that we do is by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash ladyboygg. There's also links to it on the ravenslayerleather.com page. And I'll be putting the links in um, the description of the show. <laughs> yeah, and also in the description of the show. And uh, you can help us by donating a few dollars a month or a dollar a month or however much you feel comfortable with. So if you have a little extra money and want to support the work that we do and help us bring you more information as time goes by, that's a good way to support us. I know that with inflation and prices going up, it's getting harder on us to keep doing the show because I'm having to pay for websites and for just a lot of things associated with the show. So if you can even spare a dollar a month, that would go a long ways to help us out. <laughs> At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry, with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, let's get back to our topic. And we're talking a little bit about the history of pride and celebrating pride. And I would like to kind of kick off the second half of the show with a while back, it was many years ago now, we decided to do a bisexual float in the Pride Parade. 
and we built a fence and put kind of jargon on the fence like don't fence this out and we're not just sitting on the fence we have made up our mind we're bisexuals <laughs> and believe it or not there's some people that booed us as we went by <laughs> the bisexual acceptance in the gay community and the straight community hasn't always been very smooth so to speak it's been kind of a rough road in both communities but fortunately the gay community and the straight community is becoming more accepting of bisexuality and i just kind of wanted to throw that out because mm -hmm. the whole and even trans has been excluded by many other segments in the lgbtq plus communities and I think oh, yeah. it's important. One of the things I would like to see is for us to come together at the same table and really combine forces. This is the time to do that. We're up against a lot of opposition out there. And I think one of the important things is to band together and really help each other out. Any thoughts on that, Paul? Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that there are a lot of political operatives that are actively trying to fragment the queer community, uh, like even in the trans community, for example, uh, there are trans medicalists who like believe in the binary transgender people but don't think that non-binary people are valid there are people who think that you're not a valid trans person if you don't experience dysphoria like i think that there are some very smart people that are afraid of queer unity and so they go out of their way to fragment the community and, and i i think pot. one of the things that mm. oh yeah and i th i think another thing that uh, like i'm really glad that uh, there's more like unity in the queer community now than i think there ever has been but i like i know one of the, the big like separations that you sometimes still see in the queer community is uh, people who are more like assimilationists who think that queerness should uh, try to match like what straight they're looking for like having gay relationships look like straight relationships but just with members of the same sex and then there are people who are like no like our queer identities are different than what straight people are looking for and then that's something to be celebrated um, there's still problems with that i think you touch on something that has a pretty long history i mean Look at the radical fairy movement. Howard Hay started the Medicine Society, which is a gay 
group, the kind of think tank, and he got thrown out of it because he was too openly gay and flaunting his gayness, so to speak. And so he started the Radical Fairies and said, and it's the Radical Fairies that came out and said, yeah, we're queer, we're sissies, mm. get over it. <laughs> and they own the terms. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think that part of what we need to look at is we don't necessarily have to become best buds, but we do need to be able to come together and work together. Because there's a lot of opposition oh, yeah. out there. Yeah, and I think one of the things that comes up a lot in queer uh, discourse is gatekeeping. You know, are you the right kind of gay? Like respectability politics and yeah. things like that. There's a lot of people that think that if they suck up enough to people if their queer relationship is acceptable enough like they don't try to push the envelope too much as long as they can like be respectful enough that like wins some amount of acceptance from the people who hate us and want to see us dead and that like that's never gonna work like those people are useful to our opposition. And once they fight against the more radical elements, guess what? They're coming for you next. You're never going to be able to get, you know, get the people who hate us to give us a pass. We're never going to, because they still hate any queerness. It's just that they have figured out that they can use certain people in the queer movement to to fragment us. And I think that's why like gay solidarity and queer solidarity uh, is important. That's why I think that uh, it's really awesome that like I've seen more acceptance of like asexuals and, and like they have been more welcomed into the queer community than they have been in the past. And I want to see us really, really get together and support each other. Intersectionality is our greatest strength as long as we embrace it. Mm -hmm. And I think this touches on a very important point. Queer mm. rights aren't just queer rights, they're human rights. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a lot of anti-abortion yeah. laws coming out, and that's not about being queer. They're going after control issues and having mm -hmm. taking away people's rights, whether you're queer or female or a minority. Mm -hmm. We're looking at a whole icky <laughs> push towards white supremacy again. Oh, yeah. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm really glad that I forget when the progress flag came out, but that's a pretty new flag. And I really like seeing everything under this 
Do you know which one the progress flag is? I'm not familiar with that one. It 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 it's the one that's the the rainbow flag with like trans chevrons, and it also has the black and brown for BIPOC queer people, and sometimes it even has the yellow triangle with the uh, red circle in it to stand for intersex sex people. It's mm-hmm. the one that tries to combine all of the like several of the different. Oh, okay. Uh, flags together. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing that. I didn't yeah. I didn't remember the uh, name of it. <laughs> yeah, that's the progress flag. And I'm like that's one I, I was really glad to see that come out because like I do think that it's awesome that there are all of these different different flags for like your own personal group and i do like going to pride and seeing all of the different flags being flown but i think that it should be it's good to celebrate our like individuality and our own individual places in the the queer umbrella but i think that we should also get together that's why when we're at CMA and a fairy camp has all of the different flags all mm-hmm. in the same row and surrounding the camp. I really like seeing it. And like everyone's identity is being celebrated. And I like seeing things like that more. And I you think know? that's what pride should be all about is not just celebrating our own sexual orientation and gender identity, but celebrating all the diversity out there. Yeah, definitely. I agree. <laughs> and I know that just I'm a member of so many alternative communities. It's human rights that, and I think that one important step that I saw not long ago, a few years ago, is the World Health Organization put out a proclamation of human sexual rights, the right to Mm -hmm. enjoy pleasures, and Mm -hmm. for women to have the right to determine whether they want to have a child or not have a child. And... Mm-hmm. These are important rights, mm-hmm. and many of them are being challenged in the court system. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that that's one of the reasons why it's important to get involved in activism for groups that have nothing to do with you. Because if we all support each other in in each other's plights, our, our power and our strength becomes much greater than if we are only looking out for our own individual in- interests. Yeah, and I think one that we haven't discussed this side of pride yet, but I think one important Part of Pride is it does bring us together to celebrate, but it does more than that. 
it helps us see kindred mm -hmm. spirits and see our numbers and greater forces. And we're not in isolation anymore. Mm -hmm. We are a community. And I think that's a big part of pride mm -hmm. is becoming part of a bigger community and being mm -hmm. celebrating that community. Definitely. Um, and I remember back you know, when the first pride, I mean, first gay parades took place, and it was such a shock to mainstream society to see these, they called them freaks and mm -hmm. homos and mm -hmm. out marching and flaunting them this sinful stuff. And I think we've come such mm -hmm. a long way since the early pride parades. We have become more visible and more and more people are learning that, oh, I don't have to live in isolation. And I think that's a big function of pride is that, hey, we're out there, see us mm -hmm. and learn and you're not alone. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things that as scary as things are with some of the laws that are, are being considered right now and some of the opposition to gay rights and trans rights and anti-queer legislation that's going on, one thing that we can take a lot of solace in is that Gen Z, the current generation, is the most accepting generation for accepting gay rights and accepting trans rights of any generation so far. Yeah, they're accepting the whole GLBTQI plus spectrum and embracing it all and i think that's beautiful and that's what we all need to start oh, doing definitely. coming together in unity and and to me that's what pride's about is coming together and being a part of something bigger than ourselves yeah definitely and like one of the things that's exciting about the amount of acceptance for trans people is that because there is a lot more acceptance of and understanding of trans people than there ever has been before, we're seeing people come to understand their gender earlier and earlier in life. And I think that that's a really good thing. I think that's a really healthy thing because like when I think about when I look back at like how I felt when I was younger, like I start to see all of these different uh, signs and clues that I was trans from when I, I was much younger. And sometimes I wonder if it would have taken me so long if I had been born right now, because when I was a kid, like I, I remember there were like a couple of like, I remember seeing a 2020 about the 
trans girl jazz and i i remember being like intrigued by it and even like weird things that would be considered kind of gross now because it was like some of the only like representation of like transgender people mm -hmm. i saw like there were a lot of like uh, talk shows that had like salacious things like can you guess whether this person is a, like a guy in drag or a woman and like a few of them were like it's a trans woman and like i hadn't seen a whole lot of that and i remember now being like pretty interested and excited about it and my my parents who were more open-minded than most people at the time towards that kind of thing still like kind of making jokes about it and like i wonder if i had had people around me who like really affirmed that these weren't freaks of nature but these were like real people and it was just a valid way to be i knew that transgender people existed when i was young but in my head it was a very very rare thing that barely ever happened at all and so i never really seriously considered it for myself but i kind of wonder if i would have come to like accept my myself as a non-binary like trans feminine person if i had had more exposure when i was young like a lot of people oh go ahead well one of the things i brought up in the past and that and this was on after hours is that when i was growing up i had no role models in the queer community and now today we have the role models and one of the things for human growth is to be able to find people to look up to and go oh wow that person's amazing and it gives us kind of a goal to emulate who and what they are in ourselves and start taking pride in ourselves and it was when I started finding some of these role models and sheroes and heroes that all of a sudden I mm -hmm. opened up and said, okay, yeah, I am intersex. When I first discovered I was intersex, I didn't come out right away. It took me years because mm -hmm. I didn't know anybody else. And I felt like such a freak and so unusual. And then I saw the numbers it's like one out even at conservative estimates one out of two thousand babies born are intersex and the more real numbers are one out of 500 where, where are all these people and i remember when the mm -hmm. oh i forget the name it was when oh on the tip of my tongue but when they studied human sexuality and found that the nor there was no Kinsey? normal yeah Kinsey report Kinsey not but yeah yeah Kinsey report and that 
you know, sexuality was all over the place. And this was way back early on, but that was one of the first scientific mm-hmm. qualifications that, well, sexuality isn't just one thing. Man we meets woman, gets married, and has 2.5 kids and lives happily ever after. Mm-hmm. Sexuality yeah. is a much broader spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. what people actually practice, even if they practice it in secret and hidden, it's like there are many, many different fetishes and different ways to express sexuality than we're led to believe by mainstream society. And that's one of the things I love about mm-hmm. gay pride and and even GLBTQ pride is that we're celebrating the diversity of sexuality. Yeah, and the, like even Kinsey at the time was groundbreaking, but Kinsey is very heavily based on a binary interpretation of gender. Yeah. Uh, like one of the things that I've really been realizing about like being non-binary and about my feeling like inside of my gender is like coming to the realization that there is no straight attraction for me. Like pretty much every, like there's no way for me to have straight sex. It's all some kind of gay whether like i remember telling someone that i was like really friendly with that i'm a mab assigned male at birth a non-binary person and i was saying an afab assigned female at birth a non-binary person and i was talking to them about like how gay i was for my partner and they were confused they were like but like it since they're like a girl non-binary person doesn't that make it straight like no it's very Mm. gay (laughs) and like it's still hard i consider this person a very open-minded person i know that they didn't mean any like judgment by it but just because it's outside of their experience they still don't think of it as as gay, even though, like, it's very gay. And I think there's a lot of confusion because sex and gender are such complex things. There's not one thing that makes up sex. Mm-hmm. It's a combination of many factors. And that's, I think, is why there are so many different genders in humans it's because some people can have different chromosome patterns some people have different hormonal patterns there's so many and just i I forget the number but there are like a huge amount of intersex conditions and it's where Mm -hmm. the building blocks of sexuality or what sex we're born to be is a very complex process it's not as simple as Mm -hmm. just having one thing between your legs or the another Mm -hmm. and they've even identified it 
the brain is even to some degree influenced by sex. <laughs> but go ahead, Paul. Oh yeah, but also like there's all sorts of variations like within that it's not mm. just like a, a a boy brain looks like this a girl brain looks like this there there's different regions that have different like tendencies like like part of the brain has a tendency to be larger in men and women and you know a lot of times that correlates with like trans men and trans women too but you can't just look at a brain and be like oh that's a boy brain or a girl brain whether it's and that's an part or, of, uh, yeah that's part of what i'm saying is that sex is such a complex thing and to mm -hmm. Boil it down to one, you know, a binary system is oversimplifying what sex really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and then gender is even crazier because yeah, gender is your your experience of like, and it like goes into a lot of like it's a societal construct, like it's something that we invented and so like also people's experience of gender uh, is really like heavily based on the like cultures that they're familiar with and they spend a lot of time with like mm -hmm. for someone living in africa like what it means to be to feel male or to fe feel female looks a lot different than like what an American feels like feeling male or feeling female. And like even within cultures, like what that looks like in rural South Dakota is way different than what it feels like in San Francisco or New York or Houston. Uh, it's all of these things are so, so complex. So designing language around it is so difficult yeah. uh, which is why i brought up earlier that in some ways our, our language is s somewhat limiting uh, yeah. our experiences uh, but it all like it's limiting while it's also like opening up and making it easier to discuss these things and it is evolving. We've got words now that oh, we yeah. didn't have 20 years mm -hmm. ago to describe gender and sex. Oh, and it yeah. really does. And I think we're just starting on that pathway. There's so much more to discover about human sexuality. And I've studied a lot on it. <laughs> um, uh huh. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, and also, like, not only that, but, like, the specificity, like, there are, are words that are, like, that, like, your regular layperson, or at least someone who hangs out with queer people a lot, know now that are words that have been around for a long time, but it used to be just the people who, like, took, like, 
like masters and phd level classes and like gender studies might mm-hmm. might have known these but now like your average 16 year old that spends time on tumblr knows these words and i think that's really like positive and it makes me happy that it's like that i'd like to i think we're probably coming to the top of the hour <laughs> and like i say i haven't been tracking time i should have but but that's okay i don't mind going over or slightly under either way Mm-hmm. What are some of your experiences with Pride that really helped you grow and felt really amazing? So, like, my first Pride was actually back in high school when I did the the Rocky Horror Picture Show and I, like, went with a group of people who were in Rocky together and Mm -hmm. it was at the time I thought of myself as an ally it it's kind of funny to me because like it took me a long time to realize how queer I was because of I didn't really accept my sexuality based on trauma which is something we've talked about on this show before but like just seeing all of the people and seeing people love each other and care about each other and not feeling scared to express themselves and like show their truth like in a large group of people like really really helped me and like it also like that was around the time i joined my high school's gay straight alliance and that was really powerful and so like that really helped me a lot and then then there was like the first pride that i went to after like i started to embrace the the fact that i was bisexual and i could like i remember like even though I was still not super comfortable, like with my own sexuality, I remember that was like the first one where, like, I went to Pride and I like started like really like checking out guys for the first time, and like that was like a powerful thing. And like by like doing that at Pride, like it helped me like do that more outside of Pride. And then as I got more and more comfortable with myself and like going and being involved with pride and like it helped me do like a regular check-in of like how I felt inside of myself and how I felt comfortable with myself. And then by the time like I was I had like come to embrace like being non-binary and started doing pride. Like uh, I remember like going and it was funny because by the time I would like had started to accept that I was non-binary, like, and I had 
immediately like started dressing up and it was kind of cute seeing a lot more people like express their feminine or their androgyny and i was like oh they're dressing like i dress every day that's cute <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, that's honestly like one of the things that i really hope to see because like i see people they get dressed up for pride and they express themselves in ways that they don't normally express themselves in their day-to-day -day life and for me like i wear it on my sleeve all the time like i'm always myself and i'd like to see that more people open up to doing that to mm -hmm. to where it's not so weird to see people with beards and a dress or dressed androgynous or wearing like their pronoun pins or different markers of their sexuality and things like that in their day-to-day -day mm -hmm. life. I think for me, pride kind of opened the door to celebrating my differences. And for a long time, being ADHD and dyslexic, I hated my differences. Mm -hmm. And pride kind of woke me up and said, no, you have some special abilities. Yeah, you have some problems in certain areas, but you have some super abilities. And part of that is in being able to walk on on both sides of gender and also being able to get in tune with the inner energy being that I am. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the first steps for me was being able to open that door and see a little deeper into myself that I'm not just this physical form. There's stuff mm -hmm. going on much deeper than that within me. And I think pride kind of yeah. helped me not just acknowledge it, but celebrate those differences in myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm. But any other thoughts? So, yeah, like, I'd just like to say that for anyone listening to this, like whether you know where you are on the queer spectrum or you're questioning or if you're just an ally, I hope that you can go and enjoy Pride and enjoy the month and come to understand more, uh, maybe get involved in some activism uh, maybe mm -hmm. just support your queer friends think about how like how hard people have fought for you to have the rights that you have now or for your friends to have the rights that they have now and think about what still remains to be done and the best way to go after it and thank you and i think for me it's really all about freedom of sexual expression 
Mm-hmm. I think for too long, society and and social conditioning and so many forces try to mold us into something we aren't. And I think that to celebrate in who we truly are and explore, sometimes we don't even know. I know I had to do a lot of exploration to really discover the things, the pleasures of the flesh that I enjoy and some of the things, the ways I like to make love to people who I'm attracted to. A lot of that was big questions when I was a lot younger. And going through this process of meeting other people that were kindred spirits and saying, well, we've got certain things in common. There's some differences, but they're they're into some of the same things I'm into. Can't be that bad. <laughs> and mm-hmm. discovering that, hey, we have more in common than we have differences. Oh, yeah. And it's really about celebrating our, the... I look at it as the gift of the creator, our sexual bodies. We can bring mm-hmm. ecstasy to each other if we so choose. And that's where I like to see the world go to, is become more freely sexually expressive and more freely gender expressive mm-hmm. and more gender fluid. <laughs> yeah. So with that, have a good night. Enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Enjoy the pleasures of your flesh. They are a gift from the creator. The creator built your body the way it is. So celebrate the beautiful person you are and all the gifts that you contain within yourself. Have a good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.